Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks as always for listening to this week's podcast. We take the radio show, we put it in podcast form for you. You can also rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. That would mean the world to me if you could do it. Thank you to those of you who have. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25 20. Breaks a tackle. 15 10 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line. Touchdown, 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13 to 7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Welcome on in to Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and can you believe that the Big 12 regular season and the college basketball regular season is in the books? It is over, and it absolutely flew by. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. We're part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your Big 12 independent media outlet. Be sure to check us out, web, radio show, podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere on Heartland College Sports Weekly. All right, so I was thinking about this as the weekend came to an end and as we got ready for the Big 12 tournament, and it was what to do with Oklahoma State and how this plays out. Now, they beat Kansas this past Saturday, and the question remained, are the Cowboys in the Big 12 or in the NCAA tournament? Now, you can argue that multiple ways, but here's what I came to on a big picture perspective. I like how the NCAA tournament selection committee works it out. You have literally blank resumes. You look at them. You say, okay, strength of schedule, record, uh, top 50 wins, all these things. Which team are you taking? It is not like it appears to be with college football time and time again. It does not appear to be as skewed towards the Blue Bloods. Now, we know it is. The Blue Bloods are going to be in there no matter what. It's also a lot easier when you have a 68-team tournament. There's a heck of a lot more debate when you have four teams involved. That's just the nature of the beast. But, you know, you see it all the time. You're watching a game in mid-February, and the broadcasters cut to a screen, and it's like, here's Team A, here's Team B, here's Team C. Let's look at blank resumes. Who do you got, Jay Billis? And then he picks one of the three teams, or if you're Bill Walton and he's you know not half stoned, he picks one of the three teams and away you go. So that's typically how it works in these kind of situations. And when it comes to college football, there's much more that goes into it. It's not a blank resume. Like we heard all year as the playoff rankings were being released, Clemson's loss did not have as much of an effect on them because 
Kelly Bryant went down in that Syracuse game. That's what we were told. Now, I didn't totally buy it because of the whole idea that they were losing that game to Syracuse when Kelly Bryant went down. That was never pushed enough by Reese Davis and company to the committee. Or in this case, to Kirby Hocutt, who was the chair of the committee this past year. But I understood what the college football playoff was doing, which is the idea that not all wins and not all losses are created equal. And they're right about that. And that's something that college basketball doesn't do. You look back to last Saturday, Kansas lost to Oklahoma State. Game was in Stillwater. Kansas had already locked up a 14th straight Big 12 title. They had won this one outright. It was over. There was nothing to play for. You can say they're still playing for a one seed. I don't think that's the case. At least not last Saturday. They were not playing for a one seed at that point. Oklahoma State was playing for its lives. I mean, they needed that win to even have a chance of getting into the NCAA tournament. So should that be considered a top five, top ten win? Or do we take that win for what it was? A team that was motivated as could be against a team that was not into it all that much. It's not to knock Oklahoma State. They can only play the teams that are on their schedule. And as Joe Lenardi has pointed out, their non-conference was horrible. But it's a debate that I think college basketball has to start having. Now, it's a much harder debate to have when you're playing 30 games in a season compared to uh, 11 or 12, like college football is. But I think as we become more sophisticated in the analytics behind all this sports, whether it's college basketball, college football, all the different metrics that are involved, there's no reason that that shouldn't be something that the committee looks at and says, okay, who are the wins? Who are the losses? Who are the losses without? Who are the wins with? What are the circumstances? Just like Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech is a top 10, top 12 team in the country. They have this losing streak without Keenan Evans, for the most part, as he was down with an injury. Should that hurt their seeding come Selection Sunday? I don't think it should because a healthy Texas Tech team to me is a top two, three seed. If they fall down to that four line, it will because they it will be because they stumbled down the stretch of the regular season. That is how it's going to play out for the Red Raiders. But is that fair? Because now that they're healthy, now that they're totally there, well, that changes the landscape a little bit. And that's why when you compare what college basketball is doing to what college football is doing, college football is much more based on the human element, which is what a lot of us wanted after the BCS disaster. The problem is the human element in some cases has been replaced by uh, human greed and human ego, which we know is the death of many things in society. Greed, ego, money, and power. Those are the big four that can destroy just about anything that we get to work in society. I still prefer a college basketball system where it's a blank resume because I don't see how a team like a TCU is going to make a college football playoff without a perfect record, and that includes a big non-conference win. I I just think it's always going to be stacked in college football against the non-Blue Bloods, the TCUs of the world, throw in the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs. Outside of Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12, the rest of this conference will have a very difficult time ever making a college football playoff without a big-time non-conference win and without, at minimum, absolute minimum, one loss, and that has to include 
a not just regular season title in the Big 12, but they have to win the championship game. There's no doubt in my mind that has to be the case for a non-OU or non-Oklahoma team in the Big 12 to make the playoff. Because they don't look at them as blank resumes. If they did, there's little doubt in my mind that the playoff the last couple of years would have been different. I don't think that this past year would have included Alabama. I don't think that last year would have included Ohio State. Now, we'll never know that for sure, but that's just my hunch based on if we had done blank resumes like they do in college basketball. That's that's firmly what I believe the difference is between these two sports. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always great to be here with you guys. As Not sure if you caught this, but uh, Steve Kerr, you know, the Warriors head coach, who's very outspoken on a lot of things none of us care about, but he came out uh, last week or this week and said that college basketball players that don't get drafted should be allowed to go back to college. Now, here's why I don't like that. First off, it messes up recruiting. You know, you recruit a guy and you say, hey, you're going to come in, you're going to play because player X, Y, or Z has declared for the draft and he's leaving the program. And you say, okay, I'm coming in, I'm going to play. That guy, if he doesn't get drafted, then what do you end up with? You end up with an upset freshman who thought he was going to get a lot of playing time and a team that's in disarray before you even get to summer camp. And from a schooling perspective, how would that work? Like, let's be honest. Think back to when you were 18, 19 years old. And you declare for the draft. You go through all the workouts, all the tryouts, which, let's be honest, a lot of these guys are not on campus doing these workouts or tryouts. They're out with their trainers, whether it's L.A. uh, I don't know where else these things take place. Los Angeles, just the obvious one that comes to mind. And they're with their trainers, and they're working out, and school is done for them. If these guys don't get drafted, Then they're going to have to come back to school. Are they going to catch up on classes, take classes? How's that going to work? Are they really going to care after getting burnt by the NBA draft? Here's how I would make this work, and I don't think it's that big of a problem. You want to go to high school? Let them go. The one and done is killing college basketball on many levels. And it was all because these NBA scouts were too selfish and they no longer wanted to go to high school gyms and they thought a year in college could help them evaluate these guys. It was selfishness by the NBA is what the move was, the whole one-and-done policy. Let these guys go out from high school to the NBA and then do it the Major League Baseball way. If they don't like where they're picked, then they can go to the college of their choice. If they don't like where they're picked, the money they're supposed to be paid, the contract, etc., then they can go to college. But once they go to college, it's got to be for two years. I don't think the three years is fair like football. Two years in basketball is plenty, but the one and done has got to be gone. And I think that's the most, the simplest way to fix this thing in a short period of time. And it's not that hard. But you get these Darn bureaucracies like the NBA and the NCAA and everything moves at a snail's pace and it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to be like this, but it will be. That's how I would fix it in all of two minutes. (laughs) I spent two minutes talking about it. There you go. Wipe my hands clean and uh, away we go. All right, let's uh, let's get to some football stuff. West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU spring practice already underway. Baylor, Kansas State, and the rest of the group right around the corner. We'll talk with Derek Duke. He's our own guy, 
Hopefully you know him well. He is our football go-to. Also does a lot of our recruiting stuff. He will join us. We'll talk spring practice next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Mundo rolling along with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. And let's welcome in a guy that many of you are following closely on our football front, also on our recruiting front, and that is Derek Duke. Find him on Twitter, at DerekDuke25. And Derek, always great to chat, and it's uh, good to have you talking to our listeners. Let's look at this from a big-picture standpoint. There's a lot going on in spring ball. Three teams are underway already, West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU. The other seven starting again next week. What are some of the biggest storylines that you're interested in watching here as spring ball gets underway? Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on, Pete. I always appreciate it. And, yeah, so uh, some of the interesting storylines, obviously, uh, it would start off in uh, Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle, a uh, quarterback battle going to be going on there. Uh, as far as Baylor is going to go, going to be taking a look at his progression uh, from this year, uh, last year to this year. And uh, for Texas Tech, uh, the same thing. There's big, a big quarterback uh, battle going on at Texas Tech between McLean Carter, Jeff Duffy, and true freshman early enrollee Alan Bowman. As far as TCU, obviously Kenny Hill is gone, and now it's going to be the Sean Robinson era. And same thing with Oklahoma. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield now gone, and in steps in uh, to take over that offense. So quite a quite a few storylines uh, going on across the Big 12 country, and uh, so just plenty really to talk about. We can kind of go through every team here, but I would say at all those, I would probably say the Texas Tech uh, quarterback race and probably uh, how Kyler Murray and Oklahoma is going to be doing is probably the two biggest lines. Now, when we look at these quarterbacks, Derek, I think it's Will Greer, and then there's a lot of question in terms of who the best quarterback is in this conference. When you lose guys like Baker Mayfield and, and Mason Rudolph, we're not going to replace them. But, you know, I, I don't know if one of these two Texas quarterbacks can take this team in Austin to the promised land. But I feel good about the fact that, you know, if West Virginia is going to have a big season, Will Greer is going to be a big part of that. After that, you know, I, I don't I don't know the best quarterback is in this conference. Right now, i probably say Charlie Brewer. But you could also argue a guy like maybe a Kyle Kempt or somebody like that. Or, of course, uh, Kyler Murray. Absolutely. You know, I was uh, when I was doing my Baylor preview uh, for the website, I thought to myself when I was writing about the offense, talking about Charlie Brewer, I, I didn't realize it until I was actually writing it, but I thought to myself, is Charlie Brewer the best quarterback behind Logger, like you just mentioned? So, so many, so many changes going on at the quarterback position all across the Big 12. So, you're right. You know, it's crazy to think about that. Charlie Brewer was once third string on the depth chart starting off uh, last season. And now we're talking about him as possibly being the second best quarterback in the entire conference. So absolutely. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Talking with one of our own guys, Derek Duke. He's been all over the recruiting scene. Also uh, really our, our diehard college or Big 12 football guy, especially him and I are working on a lot of the uh, spring previews as they continue to roll out. Uh, last week, also we've got Baylor, K-State coming up as well. So a lot to see on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Derek, when you look at that Texas team, specifically in Austin, and you see Ellinger and you see Bouchelle, I think Ellinger has the upper hand. I'm going to sit here and say it's by a wide margin. I, I think Tom Herman's going into this thing like a true quarterback battle for year number two. Absolutely. They have to take it that way, uh, especially since all the quarterback struggles they've had since 2009, since 
really Colt McCoy's been gone. They've had their fair share of quarterback issues in Austin. So I think they absolutely need to treat it like a true competition. Um, and you, you just mentioned it right there. Sam Ellinger, who better between Ellinger and Bouchelle? They both each have their ups and downs. For instance, Ellinger, he, he fits the offense better, but he necessarily may not have the accuracy to hit his targets. And for Shane Bouchelle, he, he might not be the most athletic guy in the world, but he's able to hit more passes. Uh, so it, it kind of goes both ways there. Uh, and, you know, both of them been a little bit banged up last year. So definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. Right now, I would probably give the edge to Sam Ellinger. He's going to be one of the guys I'm really interested to see uh, his progression throughout the spring and if he can really take the job by the horn, so to speak. Derek, let's go to Iowa State. I think it's huge that this team has Kyle Kemp coming back. I know they brought in a couple of uh, solid, one especially solid quarterback recruit. Uh, I believe Purdy, his name is skipping my mind. I think it's Purdy. Uh, but I, bringing this guy back from a team that is losing a lot of key pieces like Alan Lazard and Jacob and Lanning and all these guys, having him back I think is huge for Matt Campbell to keep this momentum going from where he was. Absolutely. You know, Kemp, uh, he was, when he stepped in, uh, much like Charlie Brewer, he was really a nobody before the season. Nobody knew about him. And, you know, he gets inserted in the lineup during that Oklahoma game. Nobody gave him a chance, and he just absolutely turned some heads. He really turned around that Iowa State team uh, from that point on. That's when they started gaining that year. So he was a big, big reason why uh, the success that they had last season. But I can Iowa State offense without mentioning uh, running back David Montgomery. You know, he rushed over 1,000 yards last year. He is just an absolute machine running the football the way he breaks tackles. I think pro football focus uh, had him breaking the most tackles in the entire country last season. So definitely uh, Kyle Kemp is a part of it, but I think David put out as well. Out of curiosity, Derek, and you and I were discussing this as the week was going on, you know, what spring games you might be able to go to, what spring games I can go to, and uh, Matthew Postens, Cam Brock, everybody, where we can get to. But let me ask you this. If you could only attend one spring game, regardless of location, getting there, any of that stuff, which team would you want to see playing in a spring game? With, with, this, with all this going on right now, I would probably have to say Texas Tech because I feel like they're – really one of the few teams that's actually having a true, true quarterback battle between McLean Carter, Chet Duffy, and Alan Bowman. Really nobody knows who's going to be the quarterback. Almost most of the other ones, you kind of have an idea of who's probably going to be the favorite heading in or coming out. But that is the one true quarterback battle where I could not just put my finger on which, which guy it's going to be this season. What about Kansas State? I mean, I thought it was going to be Skyler Thompson after that great game he had against Oklahoma State. But then he bombed out in the Cactus Bowl. Alex Delton comes in, saves the day. I think that's going to be pretty fun to watch to see how that plays out here uh, up in Manhattan. Yeah, that would that would definitely re- be right behind Texas Tech. The only reason I put Tech ahead of them is because they had three guys, and we're Kansas State. It's really going to be between Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton. Like you just mentioned, both really, truly had their ups and downs this season. I, I don't think uh, I can remember a season for the Wildcats like, like last year, just the how just a huge change uh, you talk about from the beginning of the season, the loss at Vanderbilt, and then, you know, last season, you know, finishing, you know, beating uh, Oklahoma State and then Iowa State at home at the, on the last second place. So they they have definitely had a roller coaster season last year. Uh, as for which guy is going to come out of it, I have absolutely no idea. I want to lean Skylar Thompson. Uh, he's still very young. Alex Delton, uh, both guys are pretty raw for the most part, but Alex Delton does have that, 
ability to take at the distance at any given time. But I think Skylar Thompson's arm eventually will win out that job. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, Andre Coleman has in store, the new offensive coordinator there, to see if they are going to, I, I don't want to say move away from what they did, but it's got to be tough to bring in a quarterback when they're they're throwing it so few times per game. And you see they're potentially running off guys like Dalvin Warmack who transferred, but now he's coming back. Uh, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of moving parts, especially on the offensive side of the ball there in Manhattan. That's going to be fun to see what spring ball brings, if any kind of changes. Yeah, and you know, I, I, a big part of Kansas State's struggle last year, if anybody didn't really pay too close attention to them, was their their wide receiver play was drastically, it was pretty bad. Uh, I I had some higher expectations what they produced last season. Uh, even though Bart, Brian Pingle did finish strong, now he's gone uh, to the NFL draft, and they're going to be back uh, Dalton Schoen and Carlos Strickton. So that, that receiver group really, really needs to take a step up if the quarterback play uh, is going to get better. Good stuff. Derek Duke, our own heartlandcollegesports.com. You can find him there writing a ton of football material. Uh, this guy does it all. So, Derek, uh, good stuff. We're looking forward to getting into football season and uh, getting the ball rolling here. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. I'm just so ready for football, and I think, uh, I think you and the rest of the guys know that. I just I can't wait for spring ball to get kicked off. Good stuff from Derek Duke on Heartland College Sports Weekly. All right, final thoughts, wrap it up. Baker Mayfield, Chris Beard, all that and more on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Final few minutes, Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. As find us at heartlandcollegesports.com. We're independently owned and operated. I used to work out in a Woodward, Oklahoma, part of K101 and Z92 Radio, and I covered the Big 12 there, and then I moved to New York City for opportunities with the CBS Radio and Sports Illustrated. But I always thought that the Big 12 was undercovered and did not get the respect it deserved. So I launched this thing, and it's exceeded my expectations beyond belief. And it's great to be speaking with you, and hopefully you're checking out our stuff online, on Instagram. We do fan photos there. So it's uh, it's just really become a lot more than I ever expected, and it's really because of you guys as well. So Baker Mayfield said last week to Steve Mariucci that he's going to be NFL Rookie of the Year. Now, I'm a big Baker guy. Uh, Some of you say that that's to a fault and accuse me of being an Oklahoma fan. For the record, I've said this time and time again, I don't have a team. You know, I love the Big 12 because I think the Big 12 is the underdog conference in college football. And I've always viewed myself and everything I did personally and professionally as an underdog. You know, I think I'm pretty smart. I don't think I'm the smartest guy. I think there's always somebody that's better at something than I am. And that's kind of what just drives me personally. So I've always drawn myself to the Big 12 and just fell in love covering it. I love Baker's enthusiasm, and I love the the fact that he is confident in himself. Do I think he's going to be NFL Rookie of the Year? I don't. I don't believe that. And it's not a knock on him, but... I think that as much as Baker Mayfield is going to be a good NFL quarterback, and all the reports are his football IQ is off the charts, which is as important as it gets. So, you know, we think about how far a guy throws a ball, his 40 time, 
being a quarterback comes down to what you've got between the ears. I mean, that is 90% of the job. Yes, you got to be able to throw a football. Yes, you have to be able to grip a football and have big hands and all these different things. But my goodness, so much of that job is in your head. And the reports are that Baker's done great. But it was interesting. If you watch that conversation with Steve Mariucci on the NFL Network, Baker admitted that he is just learning a lot of these West Coast offense schemes. And while the RPO that the Eagles infamously or famously used throughout the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and was getting a lot of discussion, which was like a an RPO tutorial for non-college football fans, a lot of this as well is going to be a learning period for Baker Mayfield. I know that he walked into Texas Tech and won the job, and he did the same thing at Oklahoma, walking on in both places and winning the starting job. But a best-case scenario for Baker Mayfield, I think, is if he spends some time learning the system. Now, I don't know if that means a month of the season, half the season, or a full season. But I will say that if he ends up in a New Orleans behind a guy like Drew Brees, I don't know if he's going to be around that long in the draft. But if he does... That's not the worst thing for Baker Mayfield. The other positive would be if he ends up in a place like Denver that already has a strong defense that allows him to grow into the position. If he's going to play right away, he's going to need to grow into the position. You don't want to end up with the Cleveland Browns. I know Baker Mayfield said, you know, I'm the only guy that can turn around the Cleveland Browns. Just hang on a second, okay? I, slow it down. Let's just try to get drafted and, and make a, make our mark and make a dent on an NFL franchise before we start talking about turning around the Cleveland Browns. I love the swagger, but even I would tune it down or turn it down just a hair at given time. Also on the football front, before we get to Chris Beard, uh, Dalvin Warmack's coming back for Kansas State. Kind of a weird deal if you haven't followed this. He comes out and he announces last month, about four weeks ago, he's going to transfer. Like, all right, guy didn't play much anyway. Uh, he's going to take his final year of eligibility and play elsewhere. I get it. I respect it to a degree. You want to play. You're not getting the reps. Move on. But then he comes out earlier this week, and, and Dalvin Warmack says, I'm coming back to Kansas State. I talked with Coach Hickson, the new running backs coach, and I am going to be a part of this team in a 2018 I mean, I don't know. Bill Snyder's not the kind of guy that promises somebody reps, right? That's that's not his M.O. He makes you work for it. But when Dalvin Warmack's been used, he's done pretty darn well. He's averaging over five yards a carry when he actually does get the ball, which to me signals a guy that should get the ball more. Now, I don't know the behind-the-scenes story here, if there were maybe issues in other places that did not allow him to get more action. But either way... I'm glad that Dalvin Warmack is back, and I will. I want to see this guy get more carries next year. I know it's tough in that offense where the where the quarterback is running so much, but I still believe there's a place in this offense for Dalvin Warmack. I, I really do, and hopefully Kansas State feels that way as well. I, I assume they do based on the fact that Warmack has changed his decision. Chris Beard extension six years through 2023-2024. And this is a guy who is my Big 12 Coach of the Year. I don't care what the AP says or anybody else. What Chris Beard did with this team, what he's done with this program, is make Texas Tech relevant in college basketball, which is would have been an afterthought even just a few years ago. 
I think about that. They had college game day for the first time. And yeah, there are some nice players on here. Do I watch Keenan Evans and think he's a future uh, $10 million a year guy in the NBA? I don't. I think he's a guy that's going to end up, maybe he's a second-round pick. I don't know. Maybe he plays in Europe. It's tough with the NBA because so many guys come from overseas. It's hard to project the draft if you're not following what the whole world is doing in this sport. But I don't see a, a, any star NBA players there. And he has built this program up. And to think back that this guy for 10 years was on this staff with Bobby Knight and Pat Knight and was just a grinder. These are the people I like to see succeed. And boy, is he succeeding with a six-year extension for $19 million. They're paying him well. You know, it's, it's funny. We get on places like Oklahoma State that maybe didn't want to pay Brad Underwood last year, so he bounces for Illinois. Uh, but they are paying, and Texas Tech paying three-plus million dollars a year for a college basketball coach when you got Cliff Kingsbury making, I think, three and a half. That's, that's enormous. And that says a lot about what this university thinks of Chris Beard and the respect they have for what he has done. It's, it's enormous. So kudos to Kirby Hocutt and all the guys in Lubbock for getting this thing done. And hopefully it leads to big things this March for the Red Raiders. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Good luck to all the Big 12 teams as they get ready for Selection Sunday. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on heartlandcollegesports.com. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks, as always, for joining us on the show, guys. And if you haven't, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot of that review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll send you free HCS koozies. It doesn't get much better than that. All right? Talk to you guys soon.